Good morning and welcome to SJL Daily. I'm Lisa Bond and today we're starting into 1 Kings. Chapters 1 through 3 recall an amazing time in Israel's history when God's promise to David seemed to be in jeopardy. As we get started in chapter 1, we see one of David's sons, Adonijah, deciding to launch himself into the palace, although the kingship had already been promised to Solomon. Adonijah must have been aware of this promise because Solomon had not been invited to the little party that he threw when he declared himself king in chapter 1. But through Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, things were set to rights, and Solomon started his reign as king of Israel. In chapter 2, David talks to Solomon about what will be necessary to secure the kingdom and enjoy God's blessings. We can clearly see from David's instructions that we're going to read in just a minute that obedience is going to be the key to kingdom stability. God's kingdom is so important to David that back in chapter 1, we see him go from a cold, frail, weak shell of his former self to a man full of passion and energy as he springs into action once he heard that the direction of the kingdom was in jeopardy by his son's actions. Why would David have taken this so seriously? especially when he was in his last days. Well, remember what was driving some of his sons, lust, ambition, passion for all the wrong things. And then consider what was driving David, a zeal for the Lord and his kingdom. So let's read chapter two, verses one through four. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish the word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. When we recently studied Isaiah, there were so many phrases that spoke of God's incomparable, powerful, perfect nature. You might remember some of these. Here's one from Isaiah 40. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Or this one. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. From Isaiah 42. This is what grips David. Not personal power and ambition, whether he gets the best office or the committee chair or all the trappings of wealth and worldly importance. Not whether his name is listed first in the annals of history or on social media. You know, all of the trivial things that somehow matter to us. That's not it. What grips David is the glory and the beauty of the Lord. He's passionate about the Lord and his kingdom. Tim Keller has written that a person with a passion for Christ is not necessarily always talking about Christ, but is looking at everything through Christ. David is looking at his life in this same way. The Lord is the lens through which he views everything. Just like C.S. Lewis wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The Lord is David's passion, but will that passion be embraced by Solomon? 
So let's move over to chapter 3, which contains the very familiar prayer of Solomon after he listens to the wise counsel of his own father, then asks his heavenly father for wisdom. Now remember that when we come to God in prayer, there might be a lot of things that will help us to focus, but two aspects might help. We should always pray in line with God's word and for his glory. We can ask a simple question. How can God be glorified in this situation for which I am praying? How can his name be seen as great instead of my name? Solomon could have asked for a long life and riches, any number of things, but he kept his eye on the ball and he asked for an understanding mind. Again, whatever we ask for, it should be to glorify God. And in this case, Solomon glorified God by wanting to do the job that he had given him to do well. Today we might ask the Lord, how can my job, my marriage, my parenting, my friendships, my work at home, how can what you have given me to do today become a place to glorify you? Let's pray. Father God, we admit that our prayers are often shallow and oriented around ourselves. Help us to pray not for our own comfort and gain, but for your name to be recognized as great. Increase our passion and love for you. And we pray this in the name of our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.